0: Hi, this is Ben, and this is Ben's Week in Medical School, sharing knowledge about the human body and giving you glimpses into the journey that is medical school. The contents of Ben's Week in Medical School are my personal views and opinions and are not the views or opinions of the medical school I attend or any organization I'm affiliated with. The information in this podcast is accurate to the best of my knowledge and is provided for entertainment and information purposes. This is not offered as professional advice in medicine or any other field. So this week of vacation has been great. I spent most of my time in Ann Arbor and I pretty much just relaxed um, I went stand-up paddle boarding, had some barbecue with friends and cooked a lot with my family and I got to see a lot of people who are home for various reasons um, a lot of people are home because they're able to work remotely so they've traveled from other cities and are able to hang out in Ann Arbor which is great and it's just so nice a little bit of FaceTime with friends goes a long way um, to stave off the COVID loneliness and on my last day of vacation, which was today, I visited Lake Michigan and brought my bike around uh, and went into a real bookstore, which was cool. And uh, yeah, it's been really nice. The only things that I did to really stay up with medical school were check my email daily and doing my Anki cards. It turns out that the way the algorithm works, if you stop doing your Anki cards every day, they just pile up and it gets ridiculous when you actually have to come back to them. So I think I only skipped one day and uh, I'm happy about that. I think one of the reasons why our medical school has what's called what they call a decompressed schedule where we have electives or vacations after big exams spaced out throughout the year. Um, one of the reasons they do that is to really give us a chance to unwind and relax and recover from some of the intensity of of studying for exams and packing our brains full of new knowledge. So I think it worked out pretty well this time and I was able to really feel pretty relaxed and I'm just actually ready and looking forward to starting another block of courses. Next up is genetics and metabolic disorders. My number one way to decompress is being outside, and I got a lot of outdoors time. It's been beautiful weather here. The leaves are about to change color. They're just starting to change color in Michigan. And I got to go out on the river with my friend John to do paddle boarding. And then I got to take a bike ride with my dad in one of our nice state parks nearby Ann Arbor. Um, Another celebration of the season was harvesting some basil to make pesto with my mom, which is one of our family heritage dishes. Uh, And then in a rare social distanced event, my sister and I went out for brunch, which was really nice. And we got to catch up. To round out our medical first responder training, we're studying natural disaster life support. Uh, and human-made disaster life support and this is kind of at a basic level we're just learning the terms and foundational knowledge so that we can understand what our role might be if we had to help in a disaster Uh, but we studied a lot of different ones volcanoes tornadoes hurricanes earthquakes floods wildfires Um, we did not cover meteor collisions so if that occurs you may expect that our response will be a little chaotic One thing that I found pretty interesting was that hurricanes are found all over the world, but they're only called hurricanes in the Atlantic Ocean and in the East side of the Pacific Ocean. Um, In the Western side of the Pacific Ocean, they're called typhoons, which is a name that i had heard as well. And then in the Indian Ocean, they're called cyclones. So that's kind of cool. We also covered uh, human caused disasters, which include chemical, chemical disasters, spills or attacks, explosions, radiological or nuclear disasters, and biological disasters which could be like diseases and plagues and viruses which could be sort of seen uh, as human-caused or not depending on the specifics. One interesting thing was that explosions cause injuries in a lot of different ways. The primary injury from an explosion is just the blast wave smacking into your body and it can damage your eardrums. It can actually like overinflate your lungs just when the pressure wave enters your body um, and it can cause eye damage. And then the secondary injuries from explosions are penetrating injuries from things flying through the air. Tertiary injuries from explosions are... Your body flying through the air and accumulating blunt traumas that way, and then they also have quaternary, expo- uh, quaternary explosive injuries, which are pretty much anything else that isn't covered in the first three. But it could be burns or exacerbations of pre-existing conditions like asthma or heart disease or something like that. Compared to biological disasters, which are epidemics, pandemics, things like that. Um, radiological disasters like nuclear explosions um, for the medical people, in some ways they can be simpler to deal with because once someone is removed from a radiation site, they don't necessarily bring much radiation with them and need so much uh, decontamination and isolation. And a lot of what people know about treating people with treating patients with um, radiation injuries comes from the Chernobyl disaster and they found that people who were most seriously injured from the radiation they'd start to get really sick and nauseous and, and throw up within 30 minutes of their exposure and that was like the worst prog- prognostic sign so if somebody threw up, within 30 minutes, that indicated that they had a very low survival rate. Uh, Whereas if it took longer for that nausea to develop, then that was indicative that they had a much better survival rate. I'm not sure how long the survival rate actually was. Uh, Survival lasted to be counted as a survivor or what quality of life issues might have been there for these survivors. But that was an interesting finding. We also learned that the government, both the state government and the federal government, have stockpiles all around the country for antidotes to various chemical weapons. Uh, And the more common ones are um, nerve agents and asphyxiants. And there are some antidotes to some of those kind of stockpiled around so that if a disaster is identified that includes one of these types of chemicals, then um, the antidote can be moved around quickly to give relief to those people. I hope this talk of natural disasters isn't too much of a downer way to end the podcast for the week, but there really was a lot of interesting stuff in our training and I hope I don't have to put it into use too soon, but it was very interesting to hear the ways that our public health infrastructure tries to prepare and plan and train for all of these types of possibilities next week is a back to school week, so I'm sure I'll have a lot to talk about uh, next Sunday. Until then, take care. Thanks for listening.